This is IGN. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is IGN. Playdate Review After spending a few weeks with the Playdate, I'm happy to say it's a delight. Okay, its boutique approach to lo-fi indie gaming is, at its most superficial level, kind of pretentious, but it's so damn charming I couldn't help but let it into my heart. It's not without its shortcomings, and supply issues and chip shortages have driven its price up to $179, which is higher than initially expected. But the Playdate succeeds in its mission, as a quirky platform for some truly weird little games. I gotta say, I went from thinking the crank was just a goofy gimmick to realizing it's actually a clever and fun way to control games. It's silly for sure, but it's charming rather than try-hard, and I like it a lot. Crank it up! First and foremost, let's talk about the crank. Folded partway inside the case of the Playdate is one of its defining features. A crank like you might find on a jack-in-the-box. It spins with little resistance in either direction and is wholly optional when it comes to games. You can use it to navigate the menus, particularly your game collection, and it can be used in games. It's not a requirement, but it's just there, tempting developers to make use of it. And I have to say, when they do, I like it quite a lot. And they do it a lot. For instance, one of my favorites is Whitewater Wipeout. One of two included games when you first boot up your playdate. You have three chances to show off your surfing skills by using the crank to control your spin, both in the wave and above it. It takes some getting used to, sure, but once I was able to get it down, I was pulling off sick quadruple spins over massive monochrome waves. It feels so fun and is a great use of the crank as a controller in a way I wouldn't even have considered. Crankin's Time Travel Adventure is a more straightforward use of the Playdate's novel control input. You're a little robot dude who's been invited on a date, and you use the crank to control the flow of time. While it seems like a pretty obvious use of the crank, it's clever in how clearing a level requires quick thinking and adjustment to your rotations, both in speed and direction. Little, yellow, different. Outside of the crank, the Playdate itself is quite a minimalist gaming handheld. The yellow plastic case is almost a perfect square, measuring 76 by 74 by 9 millimeters. The corners are rounded and there are attractive brushed metal screws holding it together. The screws themselves have a hole through the middle, so if you really wanted to, you could attach your playdate to a boondoggle keychain you made at Scout Camp. On the face are a familiar set of controls, a lovely D-pad and a modest pair of buttons. It's similar to the original Nintendo Game Boy, with a slightly different layout. The best part here is the D-pad. It's so clicky in every direction. It doesn't have any mush or sloppiness. The A and B buttons have a similarly satisfying tactile feel to them. That's it for actual buttons, but there's also an accelerometer inside so you can tilt the Playdate to control some games. Of course, right now, very few games take advantage of it, so a lot of people probably won't even realize it exists. Above the controls is the Playdate's Back to Basics 400x240 monochrome screen. 
It's small, around 70 millimeters wide, not including the bezel, but man, is it crisp. There's no gross smearing like we suffered in the olden days of monochrome handhelds. Motion is very fluid, and there are no issues with ghosting even in fast-paced games like Whitewater Wipeout or Hyper Meteor. The viewing angle is okay and doesn't become an issue unless you're about 45 degrees off-center, which would be a weird way to hold a handheld. However, to get the perfect contrast and view means you really have to look straight on, which can be a problem if there's a light source reflecting off the screen. Also, there's no backlight, which is a double bummer because it means you need ambient light. And again, you need to make sure that light source isn't reflecting on the screen. That puts some limits on where and when you can comfortably play. On the right of the display is the menu button and the Playdate's tiny speaker, which puts out decent sound considering its diminutive size. Chiptunes are a design choice for some of the games, but others like Pick Pack Pup use actual music tracks. During the Pick Pack Pup tutorial, I instantly recognized Holmes' If I'm Wrong from their 2014 album Before the Night. Needless to say, that one gets bonus points with me for using music from one of my favorite vaporwave artists. On the bottom is a 3.5mm headphone jack, a small microphone, and a single USB-C port, which allows for both charging and data transfer if you want to sideload some home-brewed games. That's a pretty sweet feature considering how closed off most handhelds are. The 168MHz processor inside is 40 times faster than the one inside the original Game Boy, and its rechargeable battery gives you an advertised 8 hours of continuous gameplay. It's hard to get an exact measure, but I was able to play during intervals over the course of several days before I needed to charge it up again. And if I had to guess, it came pretty damn close. I never had any sort of battery anxiety. Even with its modern hardware touches, it's a far cry from the power of even a budget smartphone. Because of this, game designers have to work with and around its limitations. And I absolutely love the results. The hardware absolutely colors the design of the software in all the best possible ways. There are no 3D graphics here, just hand-drawn art that evokes a much simpler time in gaming. A game like Omaze, for example, is essentially a maze created with rotating circles, while Saturday Edition gave me some serious Sierra Online vibes. My biggest complaint with the design is it's kind of hard to hold with my hands, and if I play a lot of a game like Whitewater Wipeout, which, quick reminder, is my favorite Playdate game thus far, my left hand begins to hurt. In order to maximize my six surfing moves, I have to hold it by the top and bottom in order to not get in the way of the crank. And after a few sessions of killer tricks, my fingers start to cramp in a way I haven't experienced since Marathon Halo sessions on the original Xbox controller. Special Delivery One of the Playdate's features, or gimmicks depending on your level of cynicism, is its game delivery system. When you buy one for $179, you're not just buying the hardware, you're buying a steady stream of content, too. At the start of each week, you'll find two new games waiting for you to try out. It doesn't matter when you first connect your Playdate to Wi-Fi, either. If you get one a year from now, you'll still get the surprise of a new pair of games each week for 12 weeks for Season 1. It's an interesting way to dole out the goodies, and delivering two games instead of one doubles the odds that there will at least be something you like each week. It's kind of like how streaming services are returning to the weekly model for their shows to keep us coming back instead of binging everything and forgetting about it a few days later. In theory, this clever approach will keep people talking about the playdate for as long as the new games keep rolling out. 
Right now, there aren't any details about Season 2, like if it'll cost extra or even if it will happen at all. So outside of homebrew and sideload games, buying the Playdate guarantees you get 24 bite-sized little games to enjoy, two per week, for 12 weeks after first connecting your Playdate to the internet. From a marketing perspective, I tip my hat. Over the past couple of weeks, I was treated to an accelerated version of the game release schedule, which took a little bit of the joy of anticipation out of it, but I will say it was still pretty delightful to open up the new games a couple at a time. Quick spoiler warning, the next two paragraphs will be talking about the Playdate's game library, so if you don't want to be spoiled and would prefer to keep the surprise element of the season-long delivery schedule, you might want to cover your ears for a little bit. I mentioned Whitewater Wipeout and Kranken's Time Travel Adventure, both of which use the crank as a core part of gameplay. Other standouts include Ratcheteer, which is something like a cross between Saiken Detsetsu and Link's Awakening, but with a crank mechanic. Forest Burns, Up in Smoke, a side-scroller where you play a park ranger escaping a forest fire, throws off some major Shovel Knight vibes, but is original enough to not feel derivative. I also really enjoyed Inventory Hero, which I had a hard time wrapping my head around at first, but is a pretty clever twist on role-playing games. The point is to manage your inventory between and during battles, as each battle depletes or destroys one of your equipped items. Questy Chest is one of the coolest games, with super lo-fi aesthetics reminiscent of very early PC games. It's an RPG puzzler battling game where the movement rules of chess pieces factor into each level, and it's just a delight. Not every game resonated for me, though. Demon Quest 85 on paper sounds like something I'd really like, but it just didn't vibe with my sensibilities. I had a hard time wrapping my head around the aiming strategy for Executive Golf DX to do anything even close to a decent round. And Zipper, while conceptually and visually amazing, is also incredibly unforgiving if you make a mistake. And for me, mistakes were made. A lot. That's not to say these games are terrible. I don't think there's a bad game in the bunch, to be honest. They're just not all for me. Size-wise, the games are tiny by modern standards. Mostly measured in tens of megabytes rather than the 100-gig behemoths we've grown accustomed to. The biggest game delivered during the review period weighs in at 158.7 megabytes. The smallest? That would be a Featherlight 59.4 kilobytes. So while the Playdate's 3.4 gigabytes of usable space sounds minuscule relative to even the Nintendo Switch's 32 gigabytes of internal storage, in practice there's plenty of room for potentially hundreds of these little games. Note that it's a single-use device though, so you can't use any of that space for music or podcasts. As someone who's been feeling oddly nostalgic for the days of hardware limitations and how they color design, the Playdate's lineup hits me right in the old man feels. The one-bit graphics on games like Casual Birder or Echoic Memory remind me a lot of the hypercard games I used to play and write back on the old-school Macintosh. So much dithering. These aren't modern games designed to look like old games. These are modern games designed for hardware that accentuates that old-school charm. That's a very good thing. Another major feature of the Playdate is the relative ease at which you can create your own games. There's a full-featured SDK you can download right now on the Playdate's official website. And if you know C or Lua, you can start building games right away. If you're like me, you know neither C nor Lua. But there's a web-based game development tool, so those of us without the requisite knowledge can still try their hand at building games. 
I have recently been revisiting the type-in basic games from my youth, and the idea I can start building my own original games without having to type in line after line of code is really pretty thrilling, if I'm being honest. I'm very excited to see what people create, both in the SDK and in the web tool. If you make an 8-bit inspired handheld JRPG, please hit me up. I want nothing more. The verdict. The playdate is for a very specific, very specialized audience, of which I was surprised to find myself a member. I was unable to resist the pure lo-fi charm of it, and while the Season 1 games don't all hit for me, the joy of trying out a steady flow of new, interesting, inventive games held my interest even for the ones I wasn't too keen on. The crank is a gimmick for sure, but the way certain game designers cleverly implemented it is really fun and I'm interested to see what uses come of it in future games. That being said, ergonomically, it's definitely a bummer to use for some of the more crank-intensive games, and the screen's lack of a backlight can be a frustrating limitation. But you know what? The Playdate charmed me, and I am now fully under its spell. Spoken Layer For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.